Hi, I'm Laura Allen. And I'm Liv Austin. And you're listening to My Amazing Mess. A weekly podcast where we talk to creatives who are right in the middle of developing their unique careers. They are totally honest with us about what it takes to pursue their dream job. The exciting highs, the disheartening lows, and and the the amazing mess that is everything in between. Knew we would nail that. So in this episode, we are talking to Dylan Myersko-Harris, uh, whose name I've now learned to pronounce, uh, even though I've known him for quite a good while. <laughs> uh, it's just funny when you like you know somebody and you haven't actually said their full name. So uh, the episode started with him telling me how to pronounce his name. So that was not awkward at all. But he is a, a fantastic, uh, really, really passionate artist manager who's worked with several different artists and bands and uh, is still doing that and also going into an A&R role uh, as well. So it was really interesting for me, obviously, as an artist, a musician to talk to him and learn stuff about him that I didn't actually know, even though I've spoken to him many times. And, uh, you know, just learning about the stuff that he's gone through in the last few years of of being a manager and the stuff that he's learned and how I can kind of apply some of it to to my own sort of self-management at the moment and just just being in the music business. And obviously for you, Laura, it's it's a uh, a bit of a new world maybe not completely but um I've, I've learned loads from you I mean that's that's the only things I know about the music industry but um this podcast episode has been really interesting to kind of look at it from the perspective not only in inside the music industry but to be an individual in any creative capacity actually being resilient enough to just go it alone and and stick to what it is you're doing and what you're trying to achieve and um and it was really interesting to hear from Dylan about the highs and lows from both management and as an artist as well. And it really, really resonated in what I'm doing as an actor as well. So hopefully you guys will be finding something that you can relate to in this episode. We are here with Dylan Myersko Harris. You are a manager, uh, an artist manager, uh, and also soon you will have a new role, which we will talk about very soon. But we have you here because you are a manager. That's yes. that's the really interesting thing for us to talk mm-hmm. about. And uh, a manager in music. A manager there are, in music. I'm guessing there's a load of different types yeah. of managers. A manager of musicians. That's, that's the manager. one. Exactly. Is that how you say it? Is that what you say? The art, art, artist manager. Technical artist title. Manager, slash yeah. artist development if we're going into what my uh, yes. email signature Ooh. says. So there you go. We are in this first season of My Amazing Mess. We are only talking to people that we actually know personally, uh, which might change. Uh, as we uh, become super successful. Yeah. And we only know 10 people. So. We only know <laughs> yeah. 10 people. And I'll, I'll lose my inv- invitation back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want to have you back, though. We want to have you back at some point and, and talk about, you know, how things have changed since yeah. this conversation. But we'll Definitely. get on to that later. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, what your background is, how you got into working in music? And- yeah, sure. Um, so I was lucky enough to grow up in a music household. Uh, my dad works for the BBC on the music side and my mum runs a music production company we have out in uh, Oxfordshire called WBBC. Uh, so since I was old enough to take in music, uh, I, I've always had a love for it. It's been kind of a, a core interest of mine. Uh, so I moved up to London a couple of years ago uh, to, into the role of artist management. Uh, before that, I'd worked in a for live music sessions, uh, helped run live events, uh, done some recording uh, but I thought the time was to move up to London, get my teeth into the full music industry, 
and start from there. So I, I joined an indie label at the time called Instrumental uh, and started managing an artist called Catherine McGrath. And from there, basically, as it always does in music in any role, it started to expand out. So I started working in A&R, uh, got to know lots of different musicians, companies, labels, etc. in in the city. That's how I got introduced to, to Live originally as well. Um, and then it's basically just growing from there. So uh, from kind of cutting my teeth with one artist and managing them, uh, I realized I really enjoyed the process, uh, kind of finding a new talented, uh, kind of raw talent musician and being able to take them further and develop them. Uh, was just a really exciting prospect for me. Uh, I think also the the modern music scape in all its different forms is is quite an interesting one to navigate. And so I've really just enjoyed uh, kind of working out that whole process as well. And it's it's interesting for me because obviously I know your whole family, basically. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're all as lovely as you are, which is great. Um, obviously, your, your dad is Bob Harris, so he's got a much better radio voice than I do. But it's <laughs> from, okay. From, yeah, we'll have to drop probably it. Probably the me too, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all have fairly good voices, I think. We have podcast voices. Podcast voices, yeah. 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 We're going one, one, one tone lower for this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, he's he's such a champion of musicians. And as is your mum, I love your mum so much, <laughs> yeah, Judy. Semi-adopted you at times, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, I did a uh, a writing retreat, uh, which she was pretty much in charge of, and uh, she's just fantastic. Mm. Um, and uh, obviously, your your siblings as well. You're all in in music in yeah. different in ways. different formats. Yeah. So God, yeah. So my older brother Mars, uh, he's kind of he runs the under the apple tree sessions. Essentially, records them, edits them. Uh, he's also a producer. Uh, and then Flo, my uh, younger sister, she works at NBC Universal. Uh, on a placement year for uni but obviously that then gets tied into what we're doing in the music industry quite heavily as well yeah. so yeah very very musical family do you feel like because because I wonder how this works because my my family none of them work in music so for me it was kind of I I kind of had to fight to to convince them that this is what I wanted to do for you did you feel like there was an opportunity for you to not do music like was this just how you so I, <laughs> this is what you're gonna do Dylan yeah, you're so, gonna be the manager there's pictures everywhere of music <laughs> that's it that's yeah no I, funnily enough actually I had m many options not to work in music um so I was working for under the apple tree when I was in sixth form helping on the live music sessions uh but when I finished sixth form I decided to defer a university placement actually three years in a row and uh, I worked different jobs none of them related to music at all uh, in between traveling so I got to work at a, a Oxford University College Hartford College uh, I worked at a biomedical science company in, in Oxford Science Park uh, and so I worked a, a few odd jobs which all obviously had career paths but knowing music and for me when you when you get to know the the music industry and you see the kind of the the life and the experiences you get from it it was always going to be music for me uh so when I had finished my traveling and thought I wanted to be back and start establishing a career, uh, my aim was just always to move up to London and get properly involved in the music industry. Uh, it wasn't forced from my family at all, <laughs> but I think just with, you know, music in my house every single day, it was probably the, nat the natural path yeah. to, to go down. Yeah, It's so interesting, isn't it, as well, like travel, such a thing. I remember when I was auditioning for drama school they always would, their face would light up if someone would say, I traveled this year or something. So you, you can learn, like you can learn so much about actually this is, I've seen the world now, I'm definitely doing the music thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in terms of, especially with managing artists for, for all its different things, it can be challenging at times. And I, th I think probably traveling to some pretty remote places in the world and, and dealing with stresses on that side puts it into perspective, dealing with, you know, a person to person 
manager relationship is I think that's held me in good stead over studying philosophy which is what I was going to do at university so probably gave me a lot more practical experience yeah wow and I think that um just really making sure that you have a love for music has probably played a big part because I think a manager especially maybe similar to being an agent for a for an actor you can come into it in so many different ways because it's not really like oh you want to be a manager okay so you have to go to this school you have to do this degree like it's people come into it from all sorts of different um you know ways of, of coming into the music industry so uh do you feel like your love for music is is kind of the the basis for, for why you're doing it absolutely and yeah you're dead right as well there isn't any set way of being an artist manager at all uh, there isn't a guidebook or anything the, the biggest thing about it i think is is how you deal with personalities uh but that carried with the fact that i mean for me personally whoever i manage i have to believe in their music you know and that has to be one of the core driving forces but yeah absolutely for, for me uh, i have a few kind of what i call core passions you know the ones that makes you want to get out of bed and makes you happy when you get back into bed at, at the night time. And music is probably my number one. Uh, I've had a love for music since I can remember. And I've, for me, when you have your best day in any industry that you're working in, your best day, you have to come back and, and it's a feeling you can't really word, but you, you just feel good. You feel happy. And for me, that is what I work on in music. If it's one of my acts doing an absolute standout show or me uncovering a new gem or, or just the people that you get to meet in the industry, uh, for me coming home after I've had a day like that, if it's my best day in any role that I could be in any industry for me, it was always going to be music. Yeah. For you, I don't want to say ages necessarily, but you're relatively young in the industry, would you yeah, say? Yeah. So in terms of working in the industry, if I'm counting from 19, because uh, I worked on a couple of festivals when I was traveling, so I guess that counts. Uh, so for me, it's been five years. Uh, growing up my whole 24 years of life, but for working solidly in music, it's been five years in total, but probably about two and a half, three full time, completely focused solidly. Yeah, because I think that's it's so different in other industries when you're if you're in an office job or something like that. I don't know much about that world, but you want to somehow climb a ladder quite quickly in those sorts of things. But in anything creative, things take so much time. So do you do you kind of feel like you're still learning loads or do you feel like you've grown up with so much of it that you're kind of jumping right in uh, you learn something new pretty much every single week you work in it I think one of the best things that I enjoy about working in music which is obviously uh, a creative industry is it's so variable every single day in it and when you're working in an industry that is based on it being subjective uh, obviously you know not every single person likes every single song uh, it means that th the variables that come from it mean yeah you learn something new pretty much day on day uh, I, I one of the things I find the most uh, interesting about music is there isn't any set way of doing it um, you, you obviously see the the crops of the kind of mainstream talent that seem to follow a mold but really uh, it's it's different for every single musician and uh, every single person's music has a different reaction on every single different person. Uh, that means that, yeah, it, you can't know everything ever. Uh, the three of us could listen to 100,000 albums. We could try and predict who is going to listen to them and how big they're going to go. And we'd end up being probably about, I'd say, at least 50% wrong. Uh, it's always great, you know, when you see artists and certain songs that you see breaking that can take people to festivals or get on radio play, where if you got played kind of individually in your room one of your mates played it you might think it would never go anywhere and I think that's kind of the beauty of working in music that you kind of can't know at all uh, and and it's you're constantly growing with it yeah and that's that's maybe the interesting thing about um that age uh, doesn't necessarily matter as much because 
you can obviously you can be experienced to a degree, but nobody actually knows what's going to happen in this industry. Nobody mm. can tell you, okay, it's going to be like this. And then this year we will do that. You can just make plans and, and try and do the best you can, but you actually cannot guess the outcome of it at all yeah I, I think also we'll use you as an example Liv, but I think if you probably tried to plan your 2018 on January 1st how do you think it's going to go you could probably plot it out month by month and you get to the the end of the year and it wouldn't have been anywhere close Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's great I mean a big thing about music as well is uh, there's a, an element of gambling in it constantly uh, because you don't know how people are going to react to music or how big you're going to get or, you know, what kind of impact a piece of music you put out or what, whatever it is, uh, you can't actually predict anything for certain. Uh, obviously, that that <laughs> can have its its drawbacks at certain times, but it also means that, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of living on a wire. It's, it's forever interesting. Uh, and I don't think music will ever kind of lose that as well. Uh, so for someone like me who's a layman in, in anything to do with the music industry, what is your kind of what is a day to day role for a manager? I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure it completely changes every time you do <laughs> yeah. every day. But like what, what is your when you're representing artists? Like what, what are you doing? So so for me, the area that I like working in within artist management is I like working with newer artists. Uh, a big thing for me is helping develop them and taking from a, a kind of very early stage and seeing them progress. Uh, so for me, that firstly means if I'm looking to take someone on uh, in a management sense, firstly, I like going out and, and scouting for new musicians. Uh, Liv and I are very lucky in terms of a couple of the music communities we actually keep in. People uh, are very, it's, it's a great place to go for word of mouth. People are very supportive there. So I've been turned on to some great musicians, literally from friends recommendations, who I would have met those friends through friend recommendations. So it can roll like that, uh, which is great. So yeah, it, it, I guess it. And on day to day, once I've found an act and decided to start working with them, uh, what I tend to do firstly is uh, I sit down with uh, the act and I first get them to go over why they're into music, uh, what kind of artists they think of themselves, where they want to take it, what kind of audiences they want to hit. Uh, for me, music is so fast paced and, and can have quite a short shelf life in terms of, uh, I guess, the average punter's eyes. But really, music is as long a term career as any other. And so it's, you know, you even get down to the nitty gritty with artists of you want to be making this kind of music to try and hit an audience rather than because you enjoy it. Let's say that track goes global, you know, gets you into the charts and you're suddenly getting headline slots at festivals off the back of a song that you didn't actually really enjoy making. You just made it for a purpose. If you do that for five years time, you're going to hate making music. Uh, and so going over different points like that really, really early. Uh, it sounds quite trivial with an artist saying, okay, sit down, who, what kind of artist do you actually want to be? But you can lose yourself in the making it as an artist that you, you can actually forget to do that. So the f firstly, I'll, we'll, we'll set out a plan of, okay, you know, why are you into music to start with? Uh, what kind of artist do you want to be in, in other people's eyes? What do you want to be respected for? Uh, you, can, you kind of get the core value of why they want to be an artist. Then from there, you can start to predict, okay, what kind of audiences we probably want to be, start cultivating, where we want to go with the live sound, what kind of presence you need to have online. Uh, day to day is different every single day just because there are so many different things to hit. Yeah, but, of course. So you, you start to outline a plan of, of what you want to do with this artist, why you're involved with them and where you're going to start taking it. And then once you start to get that uh, plotted, you then start to slot things in around. If that's looking to get on uh, certain artist tours that hit right audiences, uh, starting to yeah kind of create a proper signature for yourself on different social media platforms uh, start to get the demos and then recorded music in line with the view of the artist that they they have of themselves 
Uh, yeah, so that that changes week on week, but as as a kind of baseline, that's how I tend to outline working with uh, musicians that I get involved with. That's brilliant. I mean, I, I love that because I think that uh, just saying, you know, the what I said before about managers coming into it from so many different ways. I think that um, you know this this podcast is about being honest and like full disclosure. I let go of my management last year uh, because it wasn't really working, and I think that. Uh, one of the problems was uh, we hadn't really had that conversation and we had different ideas of what kind of artist that I was and was going to be. And that is a really big problem, can be a really big problem. Mm. Uh, because even if everyone's working really, really hard, if you're not actually working, if you're not go- going in the same direction, then that, not that work, work mm. is, is just kind of wasted. So I think that's really fantastic. And I think that... Um, I mean, you've worked with some really interesting artists, so maybe you can talk a little bit about how that's worked yeah, with so them. Yeah, so definitely. So I'd, I've worked with a mix of artists who have both been signed to major labels, independent labels, or who are fully independent themselves. Um, and yeah, that, that's where it gets a bit more interesting. So one, one of the acts I've worked with, uh, Catherine McGrath, who's now going on and doing so well. Uh, I first got introduced to her through, she did an Under the Apple Tree session when she was, I think, 17 years old. Uh, so I saw her as kind of, you know, the core raw talent. And then I actually was comparing a, a, a show at Cadogan Hall and I introduced Catherine on stage and it was the first live set she'd ever played. Wow. Uh, which, yeah, and that, this was way before I was managing her. So then when I moved to Instrumental and she'd actually just broken away from her old management setup, uh, that was a really nice slot in. But in terms of cutting my teeth, with the, that was my first kind of major act. Uh, she was signed to Warner Brothers major label. And so she was a quote unquote development act. So as well as me on management side, she had a team of multiple people at Warner who would be working on her audience development, artist development. So for managing an act that has a label team and a label presence, uh, that's very much about working out, working with the team. Uh, so we, we, we used to have regular meetings on the point that we just went over where we all had this, a shared idea, which was agreed with Catherine. We, we were all working on, on to the same uh, goal of where we want to take her as an artist, which meant that then the dealings with how we did the workload, what we were doing to develop her, that worked really, really well. Uh, that was important because if, say, mine and, and the Warner team's views and vice versa were completely different, that probably would have been quite difficult to work around. Equally, if they were trying to imprint a vision on Catherine that she wasn't agreeing with, that wouldn't have worked either. So that was a really nice working setup because we we kind of outlined it in a in a smarter way. Uh, and so then watching that grow that, that in terms of, uh, the music industry side that kind of the more, I guess, mainstream crowd will see getting new music Friday placements on, on Spotify playlists, getting played on radio one and radio two, uh, that that's kind of the more romantic, how fast an artist can turn around vision that a lot of people have, you know, you see from, yeah, the 17 year old girl that came into my dad's music studio and did a cover of Justin Bieber to, you know, p- playing a playing a headline tour. It's amazing seeing that growth. And, and so working with an artist that that, that was turning over so quickly, uh, you had a massive infrastructure and, and you know, the 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 funds and, and all that kind of help that, that goes with that. That was great. But it really put it in perspective also the fact that uh, artists, that that isn't their reality, how much harder it is to work around that. Uh, so an, another act I worked with is an artist called Victoria Canal. Uh, who is an American artist? I believe you you know her as well, yes, don't you? I know, yeah, she she's absolutely brilliant. And uh, so we discovered her at Instrumental through uh, a live video she'd done with a kind of mini orchestra, 
from a bedroom in Amsterdam and, and brought her over and signed her. But so that was that was she was fully independent uh, when when we discovered her. And so working with an artist like that who has, you know, just as much talent, but you, you see them in kind of, I guess, an earlier stage in terms of progressing in the music industry. It would, so those were my first two kind of main acts that I started managing. And it was fascinating because both of them had a great online presence, uh, you know, always helps having having good amounts of followers and, you know, having a social media fan base that carries you. But also working with two acts, one that has the infrastructure of a global, one of the only three major labels out there versus one who, yeah, we're kind of taking through independently. Uh, really helped in terms of me coming to terms with, I was only 21 when I first moved up to London and joined Instrumental. So it was as much, I guess, a growing curve for me as it was for, for the artists. And so then when that breaks down into then how you start working with them, you then tend to get into the scene of the music industry in London. You start meeting different people at different companies. And you, then you start to have to work out the human element of the music industry. Uh, who speaks and doesn't do, who who does with with little words, uh, who who are genuinely into the music and who you genuinely enjoy dealing with uh, versus, you know, people who you might not as much. And for me, for the first, probably for the first year of doing artist management and meeting so many people that on paper will help develop the project and seeing who actually does and, and where I've enjoyed working with the most and not, uh, that was a really core cool foundation for me to to lay in the music industry. Uh, it means now I I tend to work almost entirely with people that, as well as they're they're great at what they do and and you know they're they're helping bring forward artists I'm working with and everything, but that they're also good people. I get on with them, you know, because I I hold to the belief that the human side of the music industry is still the most important. Uh, if you've got people that you're dealing with or in a team with an artist that you're working with who, yeah, not only know their stuff but they're engaged with the music, they're excited about it, they want to take it forward. You always get better results uh but so first just learning how to how to actually go about dealing with that and um i, I think for, for me also as an artist manager that's that's one side that's kind of more the the businessy side of just navigating the world that you're in uh but for my opinion on if you're going to be a good manager or not is yeah you, you can be as organized as anything you you can have the infrastructure to say this is where i'm going to take you but it's so much about working with the personality as well uh, all of the acts I've ever managed, I've got on with them as people as well as I really like their music. Uh, and that's been crucial for me. Uh, kind of what you touched on, live with your previous manager. But, you know, as, as, if you're on the same page, both in terms of you have a good working relationship, you're moving towards the same goal. But yeah, you, you're, you're enjoying the process of actually working with them. You just get better results. I think it's that's such an important thing that you, you touched on about. It's so interesting to hear who's kind of on their own or or with a label and it doesn't that hasn't stopped you from being interested in in them and it's interesting in in every aspect you as a manager as well kind of breaking away moving to London doing your own thing and live being brave enough to kind of thinking okay is this serving me at the moment are we both kind of wanting the same thing because it must be the same for management and artist if you're kind of conflicted in what you want it's not helping either either person it's exactly the same and in the i mean on lives part it's a massive decision to actually say this setup isn't working for me and i want to step away from it because um uh the music industry as, as an example can be quite daunting uh we touched on this actually before we put the mics on for the podcast but because the music industry in in its current setup with the online world has split into so many different kind of subsections you, you don't just have you sign to a record label they put out your music, you get into the charts, you know, there are so many, the fact that you have to have presence on on so many different places, there are so many different areas you need to hit for PR, press, radio, everything. Um, it can be quite daunting. And so for an artist, you tend to lean on management or label setup because you think they know 
or you know they know how to navigate it a bit better uh but a, a big thing for if you're going to be successful as a musician is kind of knowing uh your own core value yourself knowing that you believe in your own music you have confidence in, in that you can take it further and so then if you can also identify that if it's a management setup or a label or whatever it is uh it was all well intentioned but realistically it, it, you know looking six months ahead a year ahead two years ahead is this going to be the setup that I want to say no and, and decide to take, to step away from that is a massive decision as well. Well, you hear even as an actor, as an example, don't be without an agent. Don't be without an agent. You know, any agent is better than no agent. Because it's and scary. I, it's really With scary the to of be not having on them, your yeah. own. But, you know, I'm currently kind of on my own and I feel actually like I've learned so much just from having to navigate so much of different areas of this industry because I'm not just letting somebody do it for me. I'm actually kind of, you know... Exactly. I think that with with anything creative that you do and, and probably beyond that too is, you know, people say, have a team, make sure you have a team. But I think that the thing to stress is that you are a team. You don't just have one because if you just expect, or maybe not expect, I don't think any, not... A single creative person I know is lazy and thinks that people would do stuff for them. That's a bit of a myth, I think. Yeah. You do maybe uh, want to leave people to do their job. So you kind of go, well, that's their job. I, I don't want to interfere and that sort of stuff. But, you know, just because you have a, a team doesn't mean that you should stay out of it all the time. Like you need to, to really, as you say, have that relationship so that you can talk to somebody uh, every day and, and they don't feel like you're questioning how much they're working because you're close with your acts so they I'm, know am, yeah. what you're doing and you know what they're doing and it's it's you know more of a, a, a friendship where you're working together rather yeah than it's, just... it's a fine line you need to cut because obviously they can't be your full-on mates mates because yeah. there has to be the also, also yeah the, the the business understanding from that side but it's it's more laying out the 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 setup of they feel comfortable talking to you uh if they have an issue or a worry that they uh, mulling over that they can talk to you about it you know that, that you can be approachable that they you know that it's an open relationship and that you're constantly working on what you've kind of set out together uh because it, it can be it can be really intimidating i'm i'm sure if you're in certain setups where you've got either a really high-end manager or you're with a big label and there's a lot of pressure that follows with that and um you do see artists who kind of go okay well i'll, I'll just i'll just do what they say and they get shaped and morphed in, in, in certain ways, but you may get a year and a half uh, down the road and you're not any happy with the music that you're putting out and you've lost a lot of control in the artist that, that you are. But I mean, I, th I think also a, a really interesting point in terms of being a, or working in the music industry in, in the current setup is uh, the online world is, has muddied a lot of things and it can be quite confusing to navigate them. But I tried to look at the the plus side of it where kind of what Liv touched on just then actually there's there's a kind of empowerment in in the industry that you can do so much of it by yourself uh without even needing to sign up but giving any of your creative control away as well I mean the three of us say with one of these microphones Liv could get a guitar we could record an EP straight into this computer edit it with GarageBand which is a free preset app on on the Mac we could release through something like Ditto or TuneCore or AWOL onto Spotify and we could hit a global audience in theory let's do it <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> but, <clears throat> have you got any plans yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring out the lemon sit for our vocal cords yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. but no, the, the, the fact that you can do all and, and in the history of music all of those different elements you'd always need label support to 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 do and, and the fact that now you can do all of that for a tiny cost completely independently and you can still hit the markets where you know in times gone by you'd need the industry infrastructure to, to hit before 
uh, is incredible. Uh, realistically, if the three of us did do that, we did put out an EP just, you know, from here, we're probably not going to hit a global audience. But the fact that you can, and, and that is now an option to musicians, uh, is incredible. Uh, and, and there hasn't really been a moment in music like that. Uh, it's being fully shifted by the online world. I mean, if you, if you just do a quick kind of look back at the past, say, 70 years of, of musical history, it went from, you know, vinyl to, to cassette to, to CD and even to fit iTunes individual album buys where you're still paying £10 for one album download and everything. Uh, the How you went about recording an album, how you go about consuming an album, the revenue that came from any any piece of music was very, very unchanging for decades. And then streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, etc., uh, have completely changed it. They've turned it on its head in less than 10 years. Uh, it means that if one person listens to REP one time, we're only going to get 0 0.03 of a, a penny or, you know, whatever the conversion is. Uh, so that, that side that does that, you know, that's, that's not amazing. And if you're a struggling musician for money, but the way to look at it is to flip it around and go, okay, I can do this whole project by myself. Uh, the process of doing it independently, which I've done with some acts I've managed before, you you start to learn so much about the music industry, who you are as an artist, why you want to be in music. And then if you start getting seeable results, you may get, even if it's small playlists or, you know, you, you turn over five, 10,000 streams in a week or two, and you're adding a couple of, let's say 10, 20 followers on Instagram or Twitter per week. That seems small in terms of if you're comparing yourself to an Ed Sheeran or a Dua Lipa. But if you look at it in a, in a perspective sense, if that was the three of us, we got... So we released a track, we got 40,000 streams in a month and we started to grow our, our trio, whatever we're going to call ourselves. You know, we, we end up with 300 followers by the end of the week. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. but, but, but seeing all of those happen and unfold in front of you and knowing that you have been able to have a hand in all of it, uh, I think that's a really incredible opportunity to be able to utilize. Um, yeah, in, term, in terms of how you navigate all of it to, to properly grow it, it does take a lot of work. Uh, I kind of view music, especially as an in being, if you're an independent musician or, or manager or anything, it is a constant hustle. Uh, you have to work so many different angles, but if you start getting results from it and you will, if you're confident in your, your craft, you're making good music and you just keep at it. Uh, I think it's an incredible moment when you start to see the results that come from it. I think it's, as well, it must be such a confidence booster when you're the one kind of creating and navigating the world of it because personally having done my own projects recently it's just it's such a, an interesting talking point when you meet new people and then they know someone who knows someone and then you you know that's how you meet the next kind of spider web of people which is probably how most things happen but when you're kind of isolated in it and waiting for a phone to ring it must be it's completely different yeah but it, it goes back to one of the first points we we uh, were talking about as well where the fact that there isn't a set template and no two days are the same but you say you know you meet someone who knows someone who knows someone you, you just end up getting a random call uh it's so i mean for me i'm starting at a, a music publisher called peer music um in less than a week uh and that how I actually got the role was completely at random. I, I met one of the head guys there, Nigel, um, and we we met around a couple of acts I was managing. Uh, nothing to do with me even looking to get a job there, but I got a call on a Sunday from him saying, can, you know, can, can you come in first thing in the week? I've got something to talk over. Uh, and it was that he wanted me to come in for an A&R role there. I, if I had tried to predict that or even try and put the steps in to get the same role, it wouldn't have happened. The fact that you, I, I mean, going independent in, in management, which I did in the summer, uh, just like it would be going independent as an actress or a musician or anything, it is a, a gamble, but 
if you're confident in yourself, you think you can you can bring it forward. You don't know exactly how that's going to come out, what what twists and turns that's going to take, but you, you go through it with with passion and uh, yeah, confidence in yourself, and incredible things tend to tend to pop up at the most unlikely of times. Just for people who are like me and have no idea, A and R is so and so A and R stands for artist and repertoire. Uh, for 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 me, it here it will be majority kind of scouting. Uh, finding and signing and developing new musicians uh, but it's kind of uh, all the all the different ties that go with yeah de developing an act from finding them to yeah how, how are you going to get them bigger how are you going to develop their online profile all, all this kind of stuff is yeah what, what I'll be working on there well it's clearly recognized that you are very passionate about you know new artists and and I think that I think you're going to be amazing at it I'm really excited to <laughs> we see hope, yeah. we hope yeah but that's also really um that's so true and I've seen that so many times with myself with other people is that you know you try and get this one thing you try and get this one opportunity and you knock on all these doors and it's not happening because everyone else is doing the same thing and then you just do your own thing and you kind of uh develop your own career and then people go actually could you do this for us or uh, actually we want to sign you or you know yeah. that kind of thing because you're just focusing on uh just developing what you're really good at and you can't predict where it's gonna go no. as well but i mean because one of the things that's happened for me over the summer which i couldn't have predicted is i've started doing a bit of lecturing at a music university uh called icmp but one of the central points i tend to talk on for because you know it's second and third year students who will be going into the music industry from uni after that kind of one of the key words is resilience uh, because you know we've 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 kind of painted a semi-romantic view of yeah go and do your own thing and you're going to make it <laughs> yeah. that that isn't I mean that isn't necessarily true uh, and if, if you know if, if you if you don't go about it in the right way of course but also you you get knockbacks uh, and it's not easy all the time in fact it's kind of the complete opposite uh, and a, a central thing is as long as you can take a hit you you, you know if, if it's whatever you send out your music to a label and they say it's not for us or you know you try and get a, a show or you put on a show and it, 30 people come down uh there are so many variables that, that, that can be the reasoning for that but as long as you're confident in yourself you you know that you're going to get back up and you're going to continue doing what you want to do because it's what you love you believe that you can take it further that's what carries you the difference between artists who you hear about and not uh, as well as many, many variables, it's because almost without exception, those artists would have been through a hell of a road and they've kept their confidence, they've kept their resilience to to push through it. Um, and it's only when you tend to get to one of the one of the peaks that you realise, my God, that was actually worth it. <laughs> but, <laughs> so have, it's, it's an interesting, as a manager, have you ha had any struggles in that way, especially like kind of coming to London on your own setting? Oh, up and... my God, yeah, absolutely. Um, in in any area of the music industry, there there are there are levels to it, and I think coming up as a a twenty one twenty two year old, I know working with Kath, the first few meetings I went to, where I would have talked to people in email, and they see me and and view me one as quite young, and also uh, quite a bit below them. Uh, that makes for an interesting working relationship. Uh, in that it doesn't exist, <laughs> but yeah, no, for for me completely, there are certain people either that you you go and see, and it looks like they're going to be an excellent match. You can start working on great things, and it turn out being all talk or when I went independent in the summer I was uh, originally looking to get a, a couple of placements at some more major uh, music companies and yeah even with a what I thought of looking at my CV was a good working history you know it puts into perspective that it was lots and lots of sent cover letters and and, and CVs that didn't even get a get a response um, which you could look at and be like 
Are we allowed to swear on the podcast? Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you for yeah, 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 we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. out when it's before 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you, you can look at it and be like, shit, you know, do I, do I have any value if, if I don't even get a, a response from someone? Uh, have I just been working on something that was kind of a pipe dream or was I in a, a closed setup which was good for a time and you try and push further than that and you just, you think you don't have the legs? Um, you know, there, there are, there are loads like that. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I've even had some, some grilling lectures where, where I've come in and at 24 people think I'm too young to be giving a lecture. And so they'll try and, you know, go, go at you just for the, for the, for the sake of it. Or there, yeah, there are lots of different things that you can take a hit from, but I, you go, you go back home and I think, well, one, I know why I'm in the music industry because I love it. And I know that I'm going to continue loving it. That's never going to change. I know that I can take it further. So I had to have that. Uh, resilience in myself to be able to to push on with it as well it's so uh, interesting about email sending as well isn't it you can just, <laughs> the, the, amount, the pain the of my life yeah go but you but it's like we kind of you get to that point where you you just email and you just know that you just send it off yeah. with love done mm-hmm. and on to the next on to the next thing yeah you're I, doing. I, I and think if I, something knocks then great yeah. I, exactly i think a great mindset for that not just in sending letters or a cv but if it's putting out a piece of music or you know sending whatever it is uh, you can focus on getting quite down if you don't get a reply or, or you get a rejection, whatever it is. But in a sense of perspective, and it's I think it's important to keep this in in any industry. Uh, you look and you think, okay, I've I've put together a cover letter and a CV. Just as continuing, this is the example. I send it off. If I don't get a reply, you can focus and be like, that's shit. That sucks. How, is that reflecting badly on me? But really, you send it out. It's taking me what five minutes. If someone if someone comes back, bonus. If they don't, I've lost absolutely nothing. Uh, it's it's the same with kind of every every level of of the music industry. Uh, you should be in it first and foremost for yourself. And so you know if 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 you're if you're getting these little knockbacks, as long as yeah you're you're happy and continuing to push on because this is something that you want to be doing. Anything that then comes from it that's a bonus, that's that's just added to it. You're going to be doing your own thing anyway. If then a label decides to support you or a local radio station decides to play your song or you know they come back and say we want to take you in for this role unbelievable that's you know that's what you're hoping for but um if they say no you've lost five minutes for an email or two minutes from a conversation uh it's, it's just having that that resilience and perspective yeah to to carry on pushing on with it i think there's um there's a bit of an obsession in uh maybe it's kind of going away a bit now but i feel like for years and years there's been a bit of an obsession with people being just discovered and just coming out of nowhere and being and becoming a massive star, whether it be in acting or in music or in all sorts of different things. And we were kind of talking about that a little bit before, you know, uh, using Julipa as an example. Um, and I think that um, sometimes, I think maybe with talent shows and stuff like that as well, it kind of seems like people don't always respond well to someone who's been grinding for years. Why do you why do you think that is like why do you think we are so obsessed with or maybe not us but you know people are so obsessed with like someone coming out of nowhere and then becoming a Cinderella story I th- I think for for that kind of Cinderella romantic view of it I think people like the idea that there is a possibility that you could yeah just make it instantly uh, I think yeah like you said regardless of the industry you're in if people hold that romantic view of yeah, okay let's say we did do that. Th- trio ep and I we like put it this out idea now. i really feel like we <laughs> the should more we say it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but you know you, you, a, a very vote for us probably with a, a much more realistic view but there would always be the back back thought that we could actually do that and it could blow up overnight uh the fact that, i mean that's so so 
so rare well, you know it's a lottery ticket isn't it it's completely it. a lottery, lottery ticket but I, I think this has now been fueled in the modern day and i'm going to risk sounding a lot older than i actually am here but by social media uh we live in a generation of the short attention span and things are very very fast paced and people don't hold interest in things for very long so they like the idea that artists can pop out of nowhere they can chain their whole collected works of two eps and an album in uh you know in an hour listen to that repeat for a week and a half board on to the next one uh, it, it, I think it all kind of feeds into it. X Factor and and those kind of shows, I'm personally not a fan of at all. Uh, I hate what they've bred in the music industry. If I'm speaking honestly, oh, I can be I can be working at a at a store and I can sing a little bit, and then you can go through the massive, you know, all the back end Simon Cowell machine, and suddenly you get a Christmas number one. Yeah, that happens. I think that's a really shit thing that he's made that as a development. But also, bar the odd one of One Direction or Little Mix, how many of the X Factor cast have had a prolonged career? of any of any kind of respect but also how many of them really were just working in a shop they've, yeah. they've probably been grinding and releasing music or you know going to open mics or anything for years and years and years and years before they exactly. apparently were just spotted at a... P- people like seeing the, the the very top end filtered version of of, mm. of where anyone's come from but i mean even so we were talking about dua lipa just because she's an example of uh, over the last year she's grown massively um, but that people will see that and think, oh yeah, it's it's like Dua Lipa's come up from the ground. Uh, when really there's a whole team around her at Warner, and they would have put in however many months of legwork to just release her first piece of music to then go on attraction and everything. We we see the top ten percent of what's happened in just an artist like Dua Lipa's example. You miss everything that's gone uh, before. I mean, Ed, Ed Sheeran's probably another very good example, and also I guess a much more known story where if you look at him over the last few years and he's the number one artist in the world pretty much in terms of figures but he was homeless for a time he was he was playing he was busking when he couldn't even really sing that amazingly at 16 to get a tenor to go down to the pub and everything and he, people know that more obviously because Ed Sheeran's a global star but that's the reality for you know countless musicians maybe not to the point of being homeless but the fact that you will be playing open mics in the middle of nowhere in anywhere in the country to 12 people and half of them are pissed and you might be doing that for two and a half years before one right person hears your music, introduces you to, you know, you, you, you don't see the, the graph that goes behind it. But also now the fact that with the online world and Spotify and, and, and all this kind of stuff, you can grow from nowhere to a, a good level really, really quickly. Uh, if that has a prolonged shelf life, that's kind of another discussion. The fact that you can do that, there lives, lives right. There's almost this view of if you say to someone as a musician, oh yeah, I've been, I've been doing open mics for two and a half years and now I've just got a, I've just got my first label deal or something. You, you say that to someone, this, you've been playing open mics for four and a half years. Why, why didn't you just make it? <laughs> it's like, oh, so, yeah, it's, it's like, why don't you just audition for three standards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah why, exactly. why don't you get on the cast of Game of Thrones? That'll make you a yeah. good name. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, I would absolutely, I would absolutely love that. Uh, but you know, there, there, there's there's a, re- a reality to it, and I and I think also that isn't a bad thing at all. Um, I th- I think going through the graft, if you're passionate in any career that you want to make it, that kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, you don't become a top end Wall Street banker in New York straight out of university. Majority, you will have to go through many many years of of prepping for that point and and getting rejections and everything. And it's it's the same in music. Um, but yeah, I I, I think that that the, because there's this like. Uh, culture of of things being very fast paced and very short lasting uh, it makes it difficult for for artists and as as well as on the reality of you want to grow as quickly as you can but if it's going to take two and a half years to get even a radio play uh, that you need to be very committed to that 
Um, but also I think in, in newer musicians, it spread the mindset a little bit of if they don't get instant success, they're a failure. Um, we, we touched on this over a cup of tea when I arrived actually, but I think it's a really central point and it's, it's something when I, uh, do a bit of lecturing or with artists that I work with, it's not kind of a crushing of dreams. It's more a setting out of reality. If we did release our track and we didn't get a new music Friday placement in 17 different countries, that doesn't mean that we're bad. It doesn't mean that we're a failure. It's just, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a longer process at times. Um, but I, I think how people kind of, yeah, if it's within music or within acting or, uh, especially more public facing, uh, roles, weighing yourself up to the top 2% is, is impossible. You're going to hate yourself. You're going to quit whatever area you're in because we couldn't become a do a lipper level artist in the next six months, uh, unless we had a, a thousand different variables that all went in exactly the right way. Uh, and, but the, if we didn't get six months down the line, we're not playing the O2, that doesn't mean that we failed. And that also doesn't mean that you shouldn't carry on because it might take us a year. It might take us five years. It might take us 10, but we might get there as, as well. You know, the, the, the end result can be the same. Just the, the graph that goes into, I guess the ex expectations that go with that. Uh, yeah, can be a, a little warped in, in modern times, but it does kind of highlight the fact that you really need to love <laughs> what you're doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it's like, yeah, it's fine if it takes 10 years, if you were enjoying it along the way. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, and also that's, that's another thing to talk about. What is, what is success? Like what is succeeding? Uh, because we've talked about that before, you know, when Matt Damon talks about, uh, winning the Oscar, when he was so young. You read my mind. It's so what are you going to say, say that? that? Oh my God. <laughs> you guys done this before, this podcast? Right? So, yeah. we, just, we pretty much podcasted each other yeah. for the last eight years <laughs> on voice notes and they have a double act. Yeah. But yeah, you know, because you told me that that story that he was, he was saying that he was so glad that he got the Oscar, he won the Oscar so early because then he realised that it wasn't really what it was about mm. you know like he said like thank god i didn't fuck anyone over for this yeah and, it, and if i don't you know if you if you're it, it's like that thing isn't it what is what is happiness what is success like is that the top of the mountain like when you get there then then what when then, you've got that thing is, the, the, the then what thing? question is a big one as well but i, I mean i i think success is defined person to person but f you know f for me also talking again about kind of going through the the graft of if when you start getting to a big level how long it may take uh, for me, I think there's kind of a, a without trying to paint it too romantically, because it does suck lugging a guitar down in the pouring rain from a show you got 20 quid for and everything. But I think there's a beauty in 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 the graft of how you go about it. I mean, I've met some of my favorite people in the music industry from going to smaller venues, say like the Green Note, uh, where they it's I think it's like 115 person cap, maybe even if that it might be less than that. But I've I've met and seen incredible artists who either I've started working with or I've maintained friendships from there, which you only tend to to know those scenes as you go through it stage by stage, um, and and I think there's a there's a beauty to that. You you certainly build up a, a bigger resilience, as we said, but you get a much clearer picture of who you are and, and and why you're into what you're doing. I mean, if if you can go through two and a half years of open mics across London where you're getting ten twenty quid. And then eventually get your break, but maintain your love and your interest and your want to do it through it all. You'll come through those two, two and a half years as a much stronger person with a much clearer vision of who you are and why you're doing doing what you do. And and like you said, it is about the relationships with people. I think if you're doing what you what you love doing, that's when you meet the people who are at the place that you you love doing what you're doing, and they love listening to what you're doing, and that's how you meet the right people. Completely. I mean, I mean, shows that Liv and I go to uh, together in London. 
Uh, now you, you, we could go to a lot of these different showcases that are in town. We'll see at least three or four familiar faces. And it's great. It, put, it puts you at ease. I then enjoy the, the evening as well as from a business point of view, but because it's just nice being surrounded by good people. And again, that, that comes from, from learning the scene and doing it stage by stage and putting on a showcase to 20 people and then 50 and then 100 and then 200 and, and, and going through that. Um, and also uh, without trying to sound of it, trivial but the people that will stay with you and stay interested through that you soon realize that they're the people that you want to have around you anyway because uh, on the flip side i know I've, i won't name her for whatever reason but there was an act i know who got signed to a big uh indie label when she was 17 she'd been gigging since she was 13 she's brilliant acoustic singer songwriter can play amazingly really great lyrics so i got designed uh, got signed sorry as a development act really really early uh, she had a uh, self-released EP on Spotify, which they took down. She was with them for a year and a half. She did six shows in total, and that was one tour of a guy for probably a couple of hundred cat venues. They released one song in a year and a half, and then they just dropped her. Uh, so and really, yeah, I know. So you hear stories like that in the music mm-hmm. industry. It's such a shame. You hear them in the acting industry. Yeah. yeah, you know, when we were training, it was like the thing to do when we left drama school was get an agent, and then you'd hear of the people that got signed to huge agencies, and then nothing happened because they yeah. were a little fish in a huge huge pond and that was it completely i mean with Catherine, why it worked so well with warner as we said is because the the team and the setup there for her was, was outlined in the right way and and but yeah you can you know they they also the the ep she recorded she didn't really like because it had you know three producers and it added all this kind of pop synth sound that she just had never really played before but really a year and a half with this label she probably actually didn't advance at all and uh, yeah, the, the worst bit of, uh, within that is her manager that was set at this indie label actually quit a month and a half before she got dropped and she didn't even get told. And that's just an example of you get a big name. That was the first label that was interested in her. It was a known name. They have great top end acts who people know about. And so she thought, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll sign these. I'm, I'll make the music they want me to put out. And it, I'm not obviously saying don't sign to a label. That's going to happen every time. But it's it's important to know that going going your own way doing it independently and also just kind of taking your time to learn the industry in the area you're in uh not definitely isn't a ne- isn't a negative and i think moreover is a massive positive uh, you know i think that's a, a huge point actually is to be reliant on yourself first because i know things have happened to me with, with agents or anything and sometimes it's not down to the fact that, that i've done anything wrong and they've dropped me it's that someone isn't working there anymore and then the person that was actually watching you suddenly you're not with them anymore and then you kind of find yourself out on your own again and you think you know i had my heart set on just being just being represented by that one person or that team and it's it's out of your control so i think it's exactly that when you can be independent and and know that you're okay on your own in any in any career aspect is having the base foundation of you rely on yourself and then everything else is a bonus is is perfect because also i mean it's one of the things i found most interesting doing these lectures to students is they still have the view of if they're going to make it in the industry when they leave university, they want to get signed to a major label and then just go through like that. Uh, and obviously that is a, a formula that can work with a lot of variables that need to be right in it, but it's not the be all and end all at all. And what you're saying with, oh, I know this friend, they got signed to this massive casting agent. They've made it now. No, that that's no guarantee at all. Uh, but, you know, moreover, I, I, a, a duo that I know uh, got signed to Sony and um, their first album was amazing. Very, very cool to why they got signed, where, how they got shown. And then their second album, once they they could sell venues of probably between 800 and 1500, great level to be at. 
uh, within the first couple of years. And so then they wanted to, Sony wanted to build the audience more. Uh, and so they started putting out an EP of a sound that was kind of a hybrid from their original sound and one that Sony had obviously forced in. Uh, it kind of alienated the original audience they cultivated. It didn't hit the audience they were trying to do. And within half a year of gigging with the new stuff, they didn't even enjoy playing the music live. Uh, again, this is an example of of just why it's smarter to you know take your time. And but it, it shows that the, even signing to a major label isn't the be all and end all if you don't have your kind of sensibility set into why you're in to music. And I think a big way that you tend to learn those is is being independent, going going through going through the grind. Um, but it's, it's it's also interesting. I mean, we we're talking this as as different examples, music a main point of this music is subjective and so it, it is different artist to artist to artist but I, I i think there's it's a weird split of the music industry is in a place where you can utilize so many things in incredible ways with no fees completely by yourself and learn it and yet there isn't really a scope to actually push those boundaries and do it people still rely on the older infrastructure which can be a bit dated at times which isn't a formula for success by any means in for every single artist and yet that's still kind of the set touchstone of how people want to make it. Uh, yeah, both both in the industry and maybe um, public perception as well is that, you know, you're you're meant to climb. It's meant to go in one one direction, even if it's like even if it's tough, it's meant to go, you know, do you're meant to do better and better. Uh, whereas kind of what we're talking about now shows you that you don't really know. You can have like one great thing happen to you and then you kind of peaks fall, and troughs fall. all the yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of have to to remember that that it's not like okay, well, so I'm going to do this, and then that's going to happen, and then this is going to happen, because you, as we talked about at the very beginning, you can't really plan even your year. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Your career. With, with, with the three of us, if you said at the beginning of 2018, how do you think your year is going to pan out? What I would have predicted for myself would have been anywhere near close. I'm sure it's probably the same for both of oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I think that's great. Like like I said, I mean the the thing that's carried me through it is that I believe that. I can do well in the industry I'm working in and I enjoy working in it. Therefore, yeah, the bad sides and the good sides, I'll take them all because I'm. I, it's in an area which I know I want to continue working in. That's another really interesting thing is that not every day of the 365 days is going to be doing everything that you love doing and the best parts of it. It's, Completely. It's, there's a, in, I mean, I would kind of like to have interviewed Ed Sheeran when he was at this point <laughs> just yeah, to see exactly. what else he was doing. But yeah, yeah. it's it, so you, I mean, you're doing loads of other stuff as well as just the management, the lecturing. Yeah. Uh, yes. And then, yeah, so lecturing, working in a and uh, I'm also uh, a European member of the Guild of Music Supervisors. So that's a, a cool world on uh ma ma to like you know uh, t tv and film music basically in a, in a, in a nutshell but the, the that's the, it's funny i can i can say that to friends when i go back home and that sounds it sounds amazing there's lots of moving parts all the time uh which is yeah when it's when it's great it's great but it's god it's hard work to keep up to date with uh to to keep all those different parts actually moving and also yeah it, dealing with it not every single day is is great with it, it can be you end up having to do certain days or weeks where you're working on stuff which is either not interesting at all or it's a massive grind or you yeah you're not even particularly enjoying the process of it but it's it's all with this with this kind of overriding view that it's it's in the area that I love and I'm going to continue uh working it yeah you kind of have uh it's interesting with with someone like you because you kind of have like double D double the hopes and dreams because you have your own career goals for your own career that goes 
you know, through probably quite a few different acts and, and their their careers and stuff. But then also them, you know, you are literally, you know, it's it's not your responsibility, but you are very, very invested in in the acts that you work yeah, with. Yeah, and, try, and trying to take them forward. I know, yes, it's, it's God, artist management is an interesting one in that uh, how I would be the most successful is by making other people successful. It's quite, yeah. it's quite, it's quite, an, in, it's quite an interesting one that, yeah. But I mean, that, that's for me why... Because, yeah, my God, artist management, especially if you end up with an act that, yeah, it turns out you're not a great working relationship together with. And, you know, you, the 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 things that go on behind the scenes can be the, the biggest ups and downs you can get. But it's interesting that I am so invested in uh, an artist, not just because I love their music, but in terms of, yeah, if, if they if I take them forward, that is beneficial for both our careers. It's a bit of a. A mind-boggling one that but it's why from the start I, I try to outlay that I only work with artists that I know I can I can have the best working relationship because yeah it, you know if four or five months into it we're trying to hit certain markets or areas or grow in certain ways and it's it's just not happening for whatever reason uh that can be quite stressful uh and it can be quite disheartening and and obviously in terms of working with people when it's in that moment it can be it can be more difficult so uh, yeah, learning how to deal with personalities and being able to carry the bad through with the good is very important. Uh, but then also, yeah, with with the view of I take on an app because I can see where in my head I sh should be able to take them to. If we get there, it's incredible. It's a it's a world changer, you know. And how amazing as well to be that kind of music first success and money like well great if it if it comes from the music and that's what you like yeah yeah I mean I'd uh, may, maybe naively at times I'd kind of hold to the view that if you're good at what you're doing and you're working on it with yeah with energy and and you're properly engaged with it hopefully quote-unquote success and money tend to follow that uh, I'm sure as Liv knows the money in the music industry can be very variable uh, you can I'm end still up waiting on that money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at least I'm enjoying. It. Yeah, so that, that's the thing. A, 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 a big thing about music is the enjoyment does carry through. Sometimes the lack of financial gain, I guess, to to speak very plainly, uh, because you can work incredibly hard for a very very long time on things that either don't pay at all or or pay very little. But it's all with this view of it's that's a, a moment. Uh, I was about to quote one of your uh, from your album. Uh. So it's a, it's a, it's a, but it's, it's 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 a moment of your time which isn't forever. And yeah, so you know, God, making ends meet sometimes can be difficult. But you know, it's with the goal of it's moving a whole project and your whole self forward. So for for every time I've had to think twice, and if I can meet mates for a pint, you also then get the benefits of either seeing the work that you've been working on come to fruition, or you know where where it takes you. It's it's a complete working balance on that side as well. Yeah, it's a good thing music is for the heart and soul because it certainly carries when you're not getting paid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite important for that. Do you sometimes feel that uh, you don't really know how you can help your artists? Are there areas where you kind of just have to to wait and see what, what they do and how they get through stuff, whether it be sort of the the mental stress of, of things or just creating uh, the music or developing creatively? Like, do, are there times where you kind of just have to step back and yeah. just let them do Can't things? And, do and, and how thing, does yeah. that feel? Is it frustrating? Well, it, it, it depends on the circumstances. Yes, I, I guess the biggest area of this is how they want to have their presence shown on social media. Such a bloody hell, that's such a 2019 topic to, to go. But <laughs> but because I, for me, as just if you're a, a big thing about music and, and if you're going to be successful, I think is being self-reflective. And so for acts that I manage, 
it's in, I say it's important for them to flip over if they're posting stuff online, not how they're thinking of how they want to post it. But if you're an audience and you're looking at, but you know, everyone will have their their favoured uh, people on on online on Twitter on Instagram for for different reasons. For me, if in terms of just specifically in music. Uh, artists say Instagrams I find the most interesting as well as you have to have posts out for when you're doing shows and promotion and everything, but they show their realness. Uh, if that's just, you know, they're messing around with a guitar riff in their bedroom or that, that you can see that the persona they're portraying online is also them. It's not posted by a team. And I, I react best to that. And I think in general audiences react best to that. If they think that the person they're seeing online uh, is close to the person of how they would be if you were hanging out with them. I think that's really important. Uh, for me, that's something you can't force. Uh, I, I know artists and development teams have issues sometimes with where they want to have, you know, standard structured posting, but the artist also wants to to make it personal. And that, that, that can be an interesting area. But for me, in terms of managing, I can talk to them about, you know, in my opinion, best ways to, yeah, help grow audiences. And there are certain things you can do online to help that but in terms of how they're actually going to put themselves out there i not just say you go and do your own thing i actually like standing back from that area because it, once it's once it's natural and they they have kind of got how they want to be on socials that it's so easy then everything kind of clicks into place if audiences then start reacting to them it's because they're seeing a good side of who the artist actually is rather than it being a manager post or a label post uh, i think that works a lot better uh, for the music side, uh, majority the music that an act that I'm managing is making, it's it's their music. Uh, I I obviously take on acts because I know the area of the music industry they're trying to go out to, and I really like their music, so I can I can help craft it in a way that I think is enhancing what they're trying to do. But I would never tell an act this is the kind of song I think you should make. This is how it should sound. Uh, the a creative industry has to be led by the creatives, and you have to let them do what they're good at. Uh, and I think if you try and get your hands too muddled with that, you're not going to, I'm I'm not going to make a better song for them than they are. Uh, I can, you know, you can, there are certain areas you can help with how it flows and everything. But yeah, majority, I actually like taking the step back and letting them do what, what they're, what they're good at. Uh, you know, as long as they're not going to make some <laughs> horrendous topical, you know, terrible satire song that's, that's going to hit no audience, you know, no, if, if, if it's objectively a bad idea, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I can help with that. But no, mainly I'll, I actually like, there, there are areas which I have to be very, very hands-on. There are areas which are very much mine to run, not the artists, uh, not in terms of they couldn't do it, but you know, there, there's, there's a reason you take on a manager. Uh, but there are also areas where it's, 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 it's not, my thing to try and mold it's it's they're good at what they're doing and i'm not going to enhance it and i actually like that kind of creative freedom that uh you can you can give to acts um i think any artist that you try and push and mold into any kind of setup uh one they'll react terribly and they'll make worse music um so i like nurturing what i think the artist is best at and then i slot in where it tends to be more of yeah a manager's role to to work on that side you sound like you're born to do this. Yeah. I think you are. I, mean, I was never going to be a musician. I know. It's a dream manager. <laughs> Which is great. Um, I'm I'm so happy that you wanted to to talk to us. Oh, it was a, it was a pleasure. Yeah. On the topic of you know being being honest and and about the struggles and everything, do you do you have? It's okay if you don't, but do you have like a memory of a moment, a moment in your career as a manager so far where you kind of went do you know what i give up like, this is, this is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. i've hit the wall yeah, I've hit the wall. a very, a very good question my god yeah <laughs> so um uh obviously i won't name names but there was there was an act i was 
uh, working with who within a f couple of months, it, they were just quite difficult. And um, the one thing about, if I'm being, I guess, a bit, uh, you know, cry, cry, I'm a manager. But the, the one thing about a manager is you do a lot of the back end work with no none of it being obvious to the general public because that's your role that you slot into. Um, so, but it means when you do the best in your role, uh, it, it's shown through how well the artist tends to do, which is great. But it means that when it's when it's bad, you there isn't kind of any, I guess, support setup for this artist is being a nightmare or this person, you know. And and so I remember I, I lined up a, an exclusive uh, interview and 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 cover with uh, an act of mine, and it was going to be a, a, a big moment for him. It was it was a good thing for him to do. It was it was hidden, you know. It was something I'd I'd worked hard on for a few months to line up lots of lots of meetings, you know, just lots of moving parts, and it was like great. They're going to feature the track. You know he's gonna be he's gonna be one of the uh, the the main leads on 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 this publication. Perfect, uh, and he just didn't show up because he didn't really fancy it. And it was like two, two and a half months of work, and he didn't have any scope for uh, one why that's bad to do in terms of how people are gonna view you in the music industry, and also what you know what I, what I'd set up for him as well. Uh, and th that that's not part of the course, obviously, at all. And this is also why it's important to work with artists that was one of the main points to reinforce it of why you work with acts that you get on with but the fact that yeah aspects of my role as an art, as a manager are so behind the scenes and not that you do it to get plaudits or anything like that but the, you know the fact that i could do a lot that was really hard work guys painful memory remembering now but you know <laughs> you know lots of lots of hard work behind the scenes setting it up for 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 a long time and the fact that it could just be a and then that was everything. And then also it soured my relationship with the people that helped it set up. The, the fact that so much of that was residing on the mood that an artist was feeling in in the time. I was like, oh, maybe artist management isn't isn't for me because, uh, yeah, you, you get different personality. But for me, a combination of, yeah, choosing acts to work with properly uh, and also knowing the scene a bit better. That was still when I was fairly early in 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 management so, so to swoop in what was the what was the thing that made you think you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with this and i'm gonna push push on through okay this is gonna be a prolonged story um but we so like uh, yeah. so 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 for me um and i'm sure it's the same for you too as well but when you listen to the right piece of music at the right time the the chemical reaction it, how you feel off that there's nothing like it uh, and it completely depends on what kind of mood and what kind of music you use to enhance that but uh, when I was in uh, India, <laughs> I can hear my sister laughing at me for for my travel ass stories with this already. <laughs> but uh, when when I was when I was in India in a place called Hampi, uh, I started to learn how to properly meditate with local Indians out there. Which is, I know I'm, I appreciate that's a very gap year story and everything. But, I love it. Um, but <laughs> but, but but for me, for for certain pieces of music, uh, they can put me in quite a meditative state. It's just it's how it makes you feel. It takes you into a really amazing moment. Uh, and there's an acoustic track by Daughter um, called Switzerland, which is, it's so beautiful. Uh, but when I've kind of properly mastered getting into my Zen and, and, and taking me into this place of peace, I, I tend to have music playing as well. You can do with meditation, you can't, it's completely up to you. And, and just as I was hitting my Zenith, I guess, this, this piece of music came on um, and it, it, how it may, it, it's just everything about what music can do for you on a kind of more heart and soul level clicked in in that moment and so uh when i know this is a very drawn out story so you know that that reminds me what the power of music and what it can do to people so when i have moments like that when i'm thinking fucking hell do i want to be an artist manager do i you know is is, is some of the graph that you do for this even worth it if i just listen to 
at that moment it was that track Switzerland, but a piece of music which shows if I get an act that can have because I'm um, I'm going off on a bit of a tandem here, but you know, it, it, having a scope of, of of music in general, not just artists, music means something to people. That's why people listen to music. So for me, in that moment, hearing that track Switzerland and it putting me in that place of zen, made by the artist's daughter, I could have a hand in an artist who's made a piece of music where that means that much to someone else out there. I know it's a massively drawn out way of thinking, but that's why, that's why we make music. That's why we're into music. It's, you know, you put out music for you as a, as a musician, but also because you feel your music has a voice to speak to the world, sometimes on a, a voice that can't be spoken, sometimes on things that lots of people have experienced, but that's why we put out music. So I remind myself that, yeah, you can, you can deal with shitty things. Certain times they're very, very small moments in your life. Uh, and am I even going to be thinking about them in six months time? Probably not. Maybe hopefully to laugh at if it's moments like that. But why I'm into music is because I can be helping create something that goes out to the world that means something to people. And that completely overrides why I always have any thoughts of getting out of the music industry. Yeah, I think it's a great thing to even think about in whatever you're doing is just to think, what what am I doing it for, and what are the good what are the good points that will get me through the bad points? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. both with music and with acting, they're two quite interesting areas where you do it both for yourself, but it's for the impact it has on on other people. And I think when you're Absolutely. when when you're dealing with certain things like that, it is important to think on not just yourself, but the the purpose and and the area and the reason you're you're doing it. And yeah, for music, I mean, if if it's you're at an Adele concert at Wembley with you know sixty thousand other people crying and singing to one of her ballad tracks or if it's you, you know you're rocking out in your car to whatever or you, you've lost a loved one and it helps you deal with the grieving or you're experiencing your first love and it enhances the moment you know it fills with everything in between that and you write a piece of music for yourself but then when you've written it you realize that this could have an important feeling and, and moment for other people as well it's kind of the the why, why we're doing what we're doing yeah Mm. absolutely and on that note yeah do you want to promo anything <laughs> <laughs> so okay so, so my newest act uh, a duo that i'm working with they're probably the uh, in the earliest stage and uh, they're the ones i'm putting the most groundwork in terms of the early part with them just because we've done everything independently uh, is a bristol-based duo called foreign affairs uh, adam and lawrence older and younger brother uh, kind of americana uh, singer-songwriter duo they're brilliant and, I love their stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah really, really li great. Liv knows them, which is great. But they, they've kind of re-reminded me because they're, they're uh, an act that I've taken on in, in the earliest stage for, for quite a long time now, actually, probably over a year or a year and a half. And so as, as well as I think we get on so well and the boys are brilliant, their music is so good. I've really loved, I haven't actually said this to them either, but I've really loved re getting into the, the early development stages and having a plan for kind of week on week and seeing it grow in, in steps and each bit being really exciting. I, I've loved reconnecting with that side of music over kind of i've taken them on i think since may or june so uh, you know for the last six seven months amazing um, we, can, we can put it in the notes or whatever we call yeah. them at the book but are, yeah. they, are they on like social media and yeah, spot, yeah. Spotify? yeah if you just search foreign affairs you'll find them nice. across across all platforms yeah uh where can people find you if they want to um, hassle you <laughs> so uh my social media handle across all of them is just at dylan jmh um yeah so if anyone's interested in anything i was talking about you can connect with me on there um uh, that's probably the best way to. I probably won't give out an email on on no, the, on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I'll just hustle you when I'm, you know, recording my stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. or, or our three 
three-man yeah. song is a really, yeah, really yeah, big yeah. hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All we need to do now is pin down what our trio is going to be called, and I think we're there, you know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, should we record our first song now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast <laughs> part two, yeah. <laughs> it's been so good to chat to you. And I you guys haven't too. met you until today, so it's been really a No, real it's pleasure. been great. Well, yeah, when Liv, because I guess for the for the audience, I got the, the breakdown of the podcast idea, and I thought I'm, I've known Liv for quite a long time now, and uh, so I was really excited to come on to this. But I think hopefully the audience will also respect that we're talking about a lot of people's situations and where they can where they can take it from there. But yeah, no, it's been a pleasure to come on. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you, Dylan. Next week, we are talking to Sabrina Bartlett, who is an actor. We trained with her at drama school. She has gone on to do amazing, amazing work. And we had a fantastic chat with her. So we're really excited to share this one. So check in on Monday and don't forget to subscribe so you're always up to date with new episodes. Now we've actually done the the Pete Holmes thing. Do you know Pete Holmes? <laughs> uh, the comedian. He's got a podcast and he basically starts... Did you start like, it? Yeah, I've started it. Oh, he Ooh. starts without you knowing that it started. Yeah, uh, I get the stuff about the when feet. people... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when people walk the, ca- the, the, the room, conversations, <laughs> yeah. This won't actually be in the podcast. You say that now. Yeah, you see.